What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. Share the podcast with a friend, comment on a social media post, you know, do whatever you can to beat the goofy algorithms and boost the signal of this thing. If you are digging it, I've also been dropping some monthly playlists, which are available on Spotify and Apple. The links for those will be in the episode notes this week on the cast final episode of 2022 i will be sharing my recent conversation with toronto canada based singer songwriter gene gene has been playing music and writing and recording songs for a long time and was thrown into the music industry and the rock and roll lifestyle from a very young age and we talk a bit about the horrors of the industry we also dive into her songwriting and her human experience that seems to show itself in her catalog of tunes I love how much she clings to the process of writing music to help her uh, 
kind of work her way and process the world and, and finding ways to make her more comfortable in it. I uh, really dug getting the opportunity to talk with her. Her output over the last seven years as a solo artist has been so impressive. And uh, I went back through the whole catalog of tunes to kind of catch myself up on everything and uh, just found so much great music. So if you dig what you hear, I'd encourage you to go back go through the previous records especially these last couple and you know in an, in a digital age where it seems impossible at times for musicians to get their fair share of return on the art and the music that they're making the flip side is the accessibility of finding music from all over and the beauty of how algorithms will feed you things you really enjoy. And I get a lot of Instagram ads for artists and songs throughout the week. And sometimes they uh, read me correctly and, and connect. And I'm pretty sure that's how I found Gene's music recently. And it could have even been Spotify or something re recommending a, a track off of playlist. But uh, I'm stoked that I stumbled upon it. There's a lot of music that Gene makes that feels reminiscent of the early 2000s alternative music that I came up in high school and thereafter. And I think there's some guitar tones that ring reminiscent of that for me. And her and Ian Blurton have just been making some really cool records together. And she mentions the magic he brings to her process and the conversation as well. So we're going to get into it. All the links for Jean will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with her new monthly playlist. First of 2023 will be available on New Year's Day. Hope you all have a safe one. Stay tuned next week for the best of 2022 compilation episode of the podcast. Excited to uh, finish putting that together. I've been going through and selecting some some episodes and some clips and uh, yeah, just trying to... Uh, give a good representation, I guess, of, of what happened and maybe some of the, the conversations and music that has stuck with me over this past year. And right now we are going to get into episode 340, last episode of the year. Jean from Toronto, Canada is on the podcast. Her new record Tracer dropped in October. It's available on all the streaming services. This is a track called Chemical Reaction. It was my entry point into Gene's music. Let's do the damn thing. Come here, my love. There's a star off above. And the souls remind me how I'm on my
to to chat with you. I I'm not sure exactly how I came across Chemical Emotion off the the Tracer record, but it ended up on one of my monthly playlists nice. and you've been on my radar ever since. So, I definitely want to dive into your your new record, Tracer, and I've been I've been doing my my homework and diving deep into the the Gene discography, <laughs> oh, which no. has been really great just to uh just explore the catalog and and see how things have uh, grown and changed over time. But uh, talk to me about what you remember about getting hooked in to music initially, like either as a as a listener or picking up your first instrument. Yeah, it was probably. I think I wrote my first song when I was like thirteen, and uh, I remember watching the Woodstock documentary around that age, like the original, not the ones that have come out on Netflix, the 69 one. And I was just like, what is this shit? You know, like I didn't, I was young enough that I didn't know. And so I remember that movie being a little bit like, I don't know, eye opening. I just didn't know that that, that was out there. So that was a thing. And then, yeah, I wrote my first guitar and then I quit school and moved out. Uh, within a couple of years and uh, moved to Toronto uh, with the band I was in at the time and kind of that was the beginning of the end. Yeah, was uh, was there anybody else playing music around the house? Did you have anybody else in the family that were messed around at all? Not really, no. Like I, I always sang like I you know as a little kid I was in like choirs and then musical theater but then I got the guitar and it just sort of shifted you know became a teenager <laughs> and yeah. uh, that's when I yeah I just did school in grade nine we are grade 10 rather and we all left for Toronto and yeah my family wasn't no it was no I was kind of on my own on that one so as soon as you got the guitar was that something that you just like immersed yourself in was it were you always yeah i guess yeah like i mean i'd always sang like so that was always like like a big part of my life like even when i was like like a tiny kid like six seven eight like singing at church and shit so that had always been um a part of my life and then i guess like the whole rock and roll guitar stuff kind of <laughs> came in more at 13 or so and uh but yeah, so I guess like music and singing had always been there, but but it shifted into more like, you know, band oriented song, like going off to do it, yeah. you know, around early teens. Yeah. Did you find yourself uh, gravitating towards like writing your own songs pretty early on opposed to like learning cover tunes with the, the guitar that you picked up? Yeah. Yeah. I would say, but I mean, to be honest, I would also do some, uh, do covers cause it's kind of a good way to start learning even yourself, right? Like how yeah. you interpret a cover is kind of unique to how someone else may interpret it. So it was definitely a bit of everything as I was starting to kind of get farther into it. Right. But definitely it was original writing. A band I was in was original writing, you know, it was, that was always the, the focus. Yeah. What was that like for you? Like being such like a young person and, and bailing out to like pursue oh, rock man. and roll. Yeah. It was a little insane. I kind of, yeah. Like I got a manager really young from doing that and kind of got fucked early. So like by the time I was 
you know, 20, I had signed away my publishing hmm. in a fucking shit deal. Yeah. And, you know, the I don't want to criticize too much or say too many like names and all of that, but it was... It was chaos, to be quite honest. I was about 16 years old. Everybody was older than me, playing bars, bars, bars. Yeah. I wasn't even old enough to get in the bars, so, you know. So For I'd have sure. to sit in the dressing rooms. I wasn't allowed, like, in the main area. But it's, like, where all the beer is. So that really didn't make much sense. And, yeah, our manager at the time was, uh, I don't know if you know Jeff Healy, but it was their their whole, like, management crew. So... So yeah, it was it was a good it was an experience. I learned a lot, but yeah. kind of fed myself to the wolves as well, I guess, you know. Yeah, not not a whole lot of uh people looking out for 16-year-old you yeah. in that type of well, situation. Well, you think yeah, people think they are, you know, but I, I don't know. I could say a lot. That's almost like a whole whole <laughs> podcast in and of itself that that era. <laughs> Yeah, but learn the hard way, right? Yeah, so for sure. All right. Did you always feel like pretty comfortable with expressing yourself through song? Like, was that always like a a good way for you to process the world around you? Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Actually, that's probably the main reason why I do it is like that outlet, so I don't implode. But it does kind of like. The public side of it isn't really my bag. Like, I'm kind of a shy person. So all that other stuff produces, like, ample anxiety for me because it's like to go on stage and do it, which is just part of it, you got to do it, is like that part's not chill and natural for me. That's like when I first started back when I was little, like 16, I didn't even face the audience as I was so scared so it was like my back was to people so it was sort of ridiculous eventually i did fucking turn around <laughs> but you know it just shows me how how i don't know maybe how much that part of it isn't really me you know but i have it's just the writing and the singing and all of that is a thousand percent me so i have to kind of take both sides right whether i like it or not the public part of it and just deal with it otherwise you know you have to quit if you can't deal with the public side of it so i don't know some comes naturally some not so naturally <laughs> yeah did you like as far as the live show will you like is it something where there's just a lot of nerves early on and you're able to like slip into something that feels a little more natural or kind of like disconnect in a way that like does feel good or is it always like even to this day you would prefer to be writing or in the studio making records opposed to playing a live show well like it's weird because as scary as it is there's still like that full rush that nothing else but stage and audience and you know performer create like there's really nothing you can make all the records you want but that is a whole separate vibe, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. it's a rush and it's super addictive and it's amazing when it's a connected circle between the performer and the audience and everybody's feeling it. So like, it's a hard thing because it's terrifying, but I, it's also kind of like the best, right? So you can, it's, it's such a big integral part. I wish I could just say that, yeah, records is all I want to do, but to let that, 
whatever that spark thing is on stage. I don't know. I, I don't know if I could let it go. I could. I, I try desperately not to let that fear, panic attack, anxiety dominate to the point where I say no to shows because yeah. that's like kind of letting the shitty side win almost. You know I what I mean? You. Like I just do it and it's fucking terrifying every fucking time but then after i'm like that was awesome <laughs> yeah. yeah is there is there anything that you've kind of like learned along the way that's been helpful to ease any of that anxiety or is it just something you've learned to accept as a part of the deal yeah a sort of part of the deal i you know i have like i have like a medical marijuana prescription that helps but it's not for shows not that great because pot kind of has a you know pot's great i'm a big advocate for it but sometimes it's not the perfect perfect thing to use yeah <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so i don't know i try bite the bullet i have uh yeah i i just, I just do what i have to to get through it yeah because you got into everything so like at such an early age did you feel a lot of pressure to like succeed or like quote unquote make it or were you too kind of like almost naive to that because you were just like in it so young yeah i mean i guess kind of sort of hard to say because like when you're young too you have your ideals are a little bit more like wild right like as you mature you're like yeah right this is gonna fucking happen but when you're 16 you're like anything could happen and for yeah. sure it's gonna happen and <laughs> we'll be dead by the time i'm 27 anyway <laughs> so you know i don't know i guess yeah i guess i had hopes big high hopes but i i mean i'm still doing it so even though i'm a little self-deprecating for the most part i feel like like subconsciously i'm i guess i'm still still aiming for it right absolutely yeah. But in the same breath, it's like, I don't know. I thought the industry has just, it's basically on fire. So it's hard. It's hard to kind of navigate in 2022 music industry because it's just a shithole, you know, really. <laughs> like, it's like, wow, man, like what a mess. But yeah, so I don't know. I guess I did at one point aim for being famous. And at this point, fuck no, you know, like it's not... It's not really part of the aim, but it's just maturity, I think, you know? Yeah. Being famous at this point doesn't seem all that fun. No, that too, right? <laughs> it's like, you're just going to get yelled at by your fans. That's what happens in 2022. You're going to get like swarmed by your own fans to tell you like to fuck off, you know, like, oh, I know it's, it's a weird, weird, weird time, but. Yeah. Because you got kind of like fucked over so early too by like deals and you know people taking an advantage was it was that a hard thing to shake for you as far as like moving forward after that or is it kind of like there's not really a choice like I'm just gonna keep writing yeah. these songs and making my music either way so I can't like just like let this bad experience derail the whole thing yeah like i didn't really stop i like i didn't even realize that it was a was bad when i was doing it you know like yeah. that when i signed it when i but i also was my manager so like to do a publishing deal with your managers kind of conflict of interest like but i digress situation was just shit. um but yeah i just kept going i just kept going but i didn't get my publishing back 
for like a decade and a half. So it, it slowed me down. Like I couldn't solicit myself without that ticket. Right. You know, like I'm like, I got so much baggage and, you know, not to bring gender into it, but being a, a chick is hard enough as it is to have this like burden of my publishing, uh, taken or held up or whatever you want to call it. And it was in perpetuity. So for the rest of my life, it never ended this contract, right? I had to sue them. Um, anyway, yeah, like I did keep going. I think honestly, though, I think I kept going more being just naive. I feel like if I thought too hard about it, maybe I would have fucking smartened up and I don't know, (laughs) tried to get a real job or something, but here I am. (laughs) Obviously never learned. (laughs) (laughs) So how many, uh, how many bands or like things were you involved in before you started doing the cookie duster thing? It was I mostly my solo stuff. Like as a teenager, I played in a band, but it, you know, it existed for a few years and then I was solo from there. And then that's when my publishing was taken up. So I felt like I couldn't really, I felt like restricted, right? Like I had to write, I could only really write for myself because I didn't want my publishing burden to affect a co-write let's say so if i co-write and now my my bad publishing deal stalls this tune that i've co-written with somebody like i had to keep my name off of shit because well actually i didn't anyway i digress but i had to be careful anyway not to drag other people into the burden that i kind of had over me at the time right so i kind of just wrote by myself i just wrote some stuff i did some records that i actually don't have up on streaming services i just never put them out because i just didn't <laughs> and uh yeah so kind of just moved on yeah and what what was the uh what was the vibe of like the the cookie duster band i say like alter like pretty pretty alternative you know like indie alternative i know indie sort of a weird word to use for genre but like yeah i say like in the alternative pop you know pop leanings yeah and you were fronting that band and playing guitar yeah like i didn't play guitar in it i but i i brendan and i sort of shared the lead vocals he had uh he had cookie duster had a record before i came into the picture like a i don't know how long it was before i want to say like almost a decade before like it had been brendan's side project prior to me and then uh he gave me a call on this this when flying was easy record and asked if i'd sing a song and it worked out really well so then i just sang a bunch and wrote you know vocals and so it was it was fun it was a cool experience yeah was it kind of nice to have something else to like escape into being that you were so involved in all your solo stuff and not to mention like all everything that was like legally like wrapped up in all of that drama yeah Yeah, actually like like you hit it on the nose with that like i loved being just a just a bit of something you know like a part of something instead i love sharing vocals with somebody like even to this day i i really would like to do that again before i call it you know like just to be just to be a part like a fourth or a third or like and not feel like (laughs) It's all me, right? It gets, yeah. gets kind of like anything you do. You get sick of yourself. You're like, you know, you can only, you only go in so many circles when it's just you. 
right yeah. so it's like i yeah i definitely crave that i loved it at the time and i'd love to do something like it again yeah it just seems like it's uh offers like a fresh perspective when you're like able to yeah. step away from one thing involve yourself totally. in something else and then dive back into the other yeah and it's it's maybe even a bit lighter because it's not all on your shoulders right like it's a group a group thing so it lightens the load like kind of literally right everybody's holding up a bit of it and it's sort of fun doing something as a group like releasing it too right where it's like it's not just me it's like a, a group doing it just feels less well maybe going back to that stuff about being a nervous wreck and stuff too right it kind of it kind of chills that out too because it's not just spotlight on one human and you did all this so if it sucks wow you suck <laughs> it's just kind of i don't know just chills it out you know makes it a little bit more like that fun part of music where you're just like vibing and making stuff and maybe not getting into your own head too much because there's more heads right <laughs> yeah absolutely do you feel like the that cookie duster experience and getting to be involved in that really kind of maybe informed like the way you went about your solo career after that and kind of getting into the tourist record i do think it's sort yeah i do think it kind of triggered that for me you know like i i put a lot of eggs in the cookie duster basket so when it kind of was dying down i was like well what am i doing here you know like like if this band's not going to go off and tour mm -hmm. and this isn't like going to be a full-time commitment for the next three years or whatever like what am i going to do and so i just was like i i just started putting records out pretty you know little chunk of time out between after that cookie duster stuff and then i just didn't really stop was there uh, like any initial fear of jumping back in to your own stuff yeah yeah there was for sure just that like you know any normal insecurity or you're like I, I mean the tourist one i had a lot of stuff hanging around so like I was like, I think I need to make a record. And it felt kind of weird. Like, wow, what are you gonna, you're going to actually do this? But I had lots of, lots of ideas and demos kicking around because it had been a long time since I put anything out solo, right? So it accumulates. But when you do them more back to back, there's less accumulation, obviously, because the time between the albums is shorter. You don't have like 20 extra demos hanging around or ideas from five years ago. So Tourist was a bit of that, you know, like it, it had a, I don't know, the songs were accumulated over a longer period, you know? Yeah. So you were always kind of writing even. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your like, solo I stuff. Pay my rent. like I, I this. Uh, so I have to I have no choice. I'm almost a slave to it, like blessing and a curse. But it's like <laughs> I am like I'm just I have no choice. And it's always been the case since since I've <laughs> quit school. <laughs> <laughs> I was reading that you've had like quite a few commercial tv and like film placements over the course of your your music journey was yeah. that at least like something you know maybe out of the the bad record deals and things like that did you at least like able to get those connections that that helped yeah. you achieve some like, of those placements uh, so yeah like i feel yeah or, or like getting them is like you know some sort of surfacey kind of pat on the back too that you you know, it's worthy of something, I guess. But so I, I think back in the day, like 
prior to getting spots placements like that i would think like it would have some you know if you got like a good ad or you got something like that it would be kind of not life-changing but you would see something significant and i do think i've learned that that it's not necessarily the case like it's you can get a big ad but it kind of comes and goes right like you get paid so that's good yeah but as far as it like I don't know, redeeming life in the music industry. I don't know, still waiting for that moment. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's good. It's I mean, if I can sell my stuff, whether it's radio, TV, commercial, that's the only way I'm going to eat. So yeah, <laughs> I'm do you, grateful. Do you remember anything about that, that first one that you got and like the feeling you had when like seeing your music on screen? <laughs> Oh, funny enough, it was when money was paid out a little better. So I made a boatload off the first one. It was just this accidental, like I wrote it. It wasn't a song off any of the records. Guy asked me to write something for like, I don't know, some soup commercial or something. <laughs> and I, I had never done anything like that. And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, just write like you write. Like, don't try and write anything commercially. Just write a Gene song. So I did like a little 30 second thing first thing I ever did and I got it it was like a big job and it paid and paid and paid <laughs> so that maybe was a little delusional because the money was astronomical on the first job I mean not astronomical astronomical for me which is probably not that astronomical <laughs> for a lot of people but yeah so I guess the first taste I do remember just being like holy shit there's a lot of money out there but not I s circle around to 2022 and it's depleted you know like the industry yeah. has changed a lot and things have changed a lot so it's no longer the case but that first one was pretty sweet and yeah it did kind of i don't know make me go hey can make a lot of money maybe <laughs> maybe even if like the money part isn't there is it still pretty cool for like even in recent times like when you get to see your music on screen like, oh yeah Any, that, anything it, whether even if it's like no pay right if it's just a donation of some sort anything i i yeah i mean I, yeah i'm grateful for absolutely everything that comes through the songs like from you asking to interview me to a blog to a commercial spot you know like it all it all adds up and it's all it's all everything like it's all the whole point for me right like so yeah and are you pretty like as far as like people maybe giving you like prompts for for writing like i know you said like with that first one you know they were just like no just do what you do yeah but it <laughs> yeah. is like are prompts something oh yeah I that can you do like that. react well to yeah i i can do that but i yeah like i've gotten to a point now where i don't really yeah, like I, I've just written so much that I could take direction for it, but will I take the direction for it? <laughs> Maybe <laughs> this is more the question. I could, but you know, it's like a lot of cheesy shit out there too. So I don't want to do that. But uh, yeah, I could. I can. It's fun. Like I like writing, right? So as long as I'm kind of doing it within parameters that I feel is cool, um, I can be guided. I have. I definitely have like a wall. I can't go right across genres. Like I can't write, you know, hardcore. I can't write like uh, classical music, but I kind of have a good spectrum within my, with, 
excuse me, within my spectrum. If makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was like very impressed, like not really knowing too much about your music, you know, going in to finding chemical emotion and like finding out that you put out like six full length records within <laughs> seven years and just like the amazing amount of output that you you've seen to have. What Thank do you, you, uh, what, what do you think attributes to that? Like, honestly, like just my brain, it's just like unhinged a lot of the time. <laughs> is <laughs> what I grip onto to not yeah. lose my mind. Like that's what it feels like now. I don't know if it started like that, but now it's just like, yeah, like it's just like breathing. Like it just is. I mean, I'm going back in to do another record, and I'm after this. I'm like, am I going to just keep doing this? Like, do I have to like, I get off the wheel? You know. So I don't know. But I got one more, and then I don't know. I don't know, but. I partly worry about not doing it because you're sort of like, well, what drives you to do it? And it's kind of sanity. Yeah. Like, I hate to say it. It's like, yeah, that is. So if I stop, I do worry a little bit <laughs> about the fallout. Right. But I would say sanity is the, you know, first answer on that list. But yeah, I guess it goes back to just like, this is the way that you process the world a bit and yeah, yeah feeling like you you need that or do you like you know like i don't want to get into like depression legit depression that worries me a little bit like i mean that's music or anybody like if you have something that keeps your head above water and you remove that it's a little like is your head still going to be above the water or what? Yeah, you absolutely. don't really know until you remove the thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's a scary thought, but yeah, I guess it's nice when you don't want to remove the thing and you obviously like yeah. gravitate, <laughs> yeah, you gravitate thing. towards the writing. So it's not like, doesn't yes. seem like anybody's like making you do it necessarily. No, but I mean like, it, like again, the music industry is just like, I mean, it's kind of like dying in a sense. I know maybe it'll come back to life. Of course it will. It's music and all that. But like to keep pumping out albums in this industry that's just fucked, you know, like it's and for a person at my level, it's just like, am I crazy for putting out like 10 songs all the time when yeah. when no one gives a fuck, you know, and there's like 7000 million songs a day being like, <laughs> it's insane. Like everything. Everybody's like. Oh yeah, like it could have done well if there wasn't eight bajillion songs that came out on Friday. You're like, right. well, <laughs> I could write Wonderwall, and it wouldn't fucking matter at this point. Feels like half the time. So just try and get that shit out of your head. But like, it's anything. Like not just music. You know, you just gotta quiet the bad voices and listen to the good voices. I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. You you said uh, you mentioned something about parameters earlier, and I was curious. Do you? Are parameters, like creative parameters, important to your songwriting? Are there things where you'll be like, I'm only going to use like these few chords on all of these songs or like any sort of thing like that? No, I don't really do that. Kind of like, I think it's maybe because I've been writing so much that I feel like if I was to put any real parameter like that, it would probably be difficult to write, I don't know, record a year you know that kind of thing but i i also don't do that because i'm not like i'm like 
really low skill level when it comes to like playing the guitar like like i don't know chords i don't know like let letters the someone's like okay oh, play that in d I'm like i don't know what you're talking about like i don't <laughs> literally don't know it's embarrassing but so i i don't have like the skill level to put parameters on myself no, <laughs> i need all the things because if i put any parameters i don't have enough to choose from like i i actually am pretty illiterate musically in a sense right you know in that more schooled sense so so i i have to pull from everything i got and i just try and let whatever comes out comes out and not if it sucks i'll throw it that away but i'm like okay so this doesn't sound like a rock tune or it doesn't sound alternative but i'm like if i like it i like it you know yeah absolutely when you look back at your your current discography and like catalog of tunes is there a record that you maybe recognize as most pivotal as far as like informing your writing process moving forward or just like the way that you think about making records i would say maybe like between gift shop and the self-titled record so it was like 2018 and 2020 i'd say there's a big shift in there like not just because gift shop i self-produced it and then moved except for one song and then in the self-titled 2020 moved to co-producing with ian blurton which was a much bigger sound because he knows his shit in studio and stuff so i feel like from a writing standpoint as well like things were just shifting there with gift shop and the self-titled even though they were done approached totally differently i felt like i was getting a little better grip on my writing you yeah. know whereas some of the records before i was like wow i can't believe i fucking released that <laughs> <You know? laughs> but anyway i felt like i was getting a little better with my identity you know what i mean instead of just whipping shit out with gift shop and then same with the self-titled one and then the self-titled one was pivotal also because that was the first one i made in a bigger studio with co-producing it with ian blurton so that in and of itself was a really big shift right because i had been diy doing it in my like right here where i'm sitting right now so it was a big change in that way but i do think from a writing standpoint those two records started going okay you know uh, just getting a better better grip on on what i wanted to write as like gene records you know what i mean whereas some of the records before like i said there's a few tunes where i was like wow one day i'm gonna pull those i'm gonna pull those right off spotify but <laughs> i'll leave them for now <laughs> uh, yeah i understand why you would like want to do that like just cruising through the catalog i think you can yeah you can like see the progression and like where you become yeah. more sure of yourself or like what the project is but then you like i don't know if you take it all down then you kind of lose out on maybe some of the gems that existed early because you can also to me like going back all the way through you can hear that you obviously like the songwriting was in you from from the beginning like i really love that don't look down track off modern life oh yeah, yeah 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 that's like that one too. you know six seven years old at this point yeah I, I do think that some of the songs on that record too modern life was like it was starting to kind of i was starting to get a handle on where i was going except i'm doing it publicly you know what i mean like that's the only thing with those records where it's like, i like some of those tunes on say modern life tourist but then 
there's just others where I'm like, oh, that's so like unfocused and shitty. But <laughs> it's again, like I would pull like individual songs down. But like you said, I'm like, whatever, man. Like it's part of what I did and it's part of the process. So if somebody's gonna take the time and go back like the way you did, it's like, well, what do I care? You know, like I don't need everything to be fucking perfect all the time so it's a shitty song that I put out. Like, <laughs> there's fucking famous people putting shitty songs out every day Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. The fall and winter months are upon us and North 45 has a rotating cocktail menu to keep you warm throughout the rainy and cold season. The rosemary garlic fries are my go-to item on the food menu. The fry sauce is absolutely lights out and their kitchen staff is always getting creative with daily food specials. Aside from it being a great neighborhood bar for food and drinks, they've got one of the best patios in the city, which is heated and covered. The patio has a ton of TVs, so you can watch all your favorite sports. And on Sundays from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., they've got local DJs spinning jams, curating the music, both on the patio and inside the bar. So come through for some tunes and some food. Let's get back to the episode. Was the dog bite record made pretty similar to uh, the Tracer album? Yes. Yeah. So like the self-titled one, dog bite and Tracer, those were all kind of same process with Ian Blurton being co-producer and like in his studio, not right here. Yeah. I'm sitting. <laughs> Yeah, I love that, that Better Drugs song. Oh, it's thanks. so good. Thank so you. So killer. Yeah. I know Ian is is also credited on, on the new record on a few of the tracks. Um, what is it about like that relationship that seems to work so well for you? And what does Ian bring out of your songs that you maybe can't see for yourself all the time? I think, I don't know, I've worked with a lot of people and I think... I don't know. I guess my writing's not really, I don't know if it's quirky, but it's a little something. So I feel sometimes it gets uh, interpreted a little incorrectly when I pass it off to somebody where I'm kind of like, eh, not quite. Like, you know, so that's why I ended up doing a lot of it myself, even though it was really low fi I was like, well, at least 
they're in the right world, even yeah. if it's a shittier recording, you know, or whatever. And then I had Ian mix Gift Shop, that album, and he mixed it, and it just fucking sounded great. And I was like, he, like I just felt instantly that I wish I had asked him earlier to be involved <laughs> in stuff. And I was like, well, I, I'm he he was a part of the cookie duster stuff too, but him and I never worked directly together. So that's where I kind of was connected to him where I was able to reach out, but yeah, he mixed gift shop, kicked ass at it. And then I was like, he's like a pretty big guru producer guy and really knows his shit. Right. And so I was like, would you ever co-produce with me? You know, the next record. And he was all over it and we did it. And I just feel like, sorry, I shouldn't say he's all over it. That makes him sound like he was like, oh yes, please, Gene. Was it like that? <laughs> I was like, you know, will you co-produce? And yeah, he said yes. And I just feel like he gets it. Like, and I, I have to say, I, I, I haven't found a lot of people like that. I've been around doing it for a long time. And I mean, he kicks ass at guitar too, so he plays guitar for me and he's just uh also like sage advice guy's been around he knows his shit right so if i'm freaking out about something it's nice to be able to bounce it off of him and he's you know kind of a calm cool guy which is yeah. you know it's just a good a good counterbalance for a neurotic freak like me <laughs> <laughs> i guess and he gets it i have to say that's probably the ultimate where i was like you know, not everything's perfect 24-7, but ultimately, if somebody gets your shit, I feel like you got to cling to them because it's hard sometimes, especially if the music is a little, I don't know, quirky or whatever you want to call it, right? Less straight ahead. If we could Yeah, do you think also there's just like it's some helpful validation to know that like somebody with that sort of resume like has interest in working on your tunes with you? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like a, definitely. I mean, I've been working with him for years now. So at the beginning I was like when he mixed gift shop and I wanted to ask him to co-produce, I definitely was like, you know, what if he's going to say no or what if he's like yeah, I'll just mix your shit. That's all. So no, it was it was I was a little nerve wracked. Or playing guitar for me, I remember. I was like, yeah, I was like, no way he'll play guitar for me. <laughs> but here we are. He's still kicking around, so that's good. I love that "Gone Too Far" track. As far as the ones that oh you know, yeah, I like that collaborated one. Collaborated on it's uh like there's that second movement of the song that like completely yeah. kind of changes and like I thought that that was like a very cool moment on the tracer album and and, and like the progression of the yeah the songwriting how it gets very moody and experimental a little bit yeah i agree i like that section too and that's you know a lot of thanks to ian blurton for being his creative dude right and he's cool cool with his ideas too which i like you know i know cool is a weird word but without it it's you know you need that right and he has a nice a nice hand in there and I, I yeah i like that outro too it's it's cool and he also i think he sings some harmonies on the end of that one too nice. but yeah i mean funny enough speaking of ian i was i'm always like want to throw songs out so i'm always like 
I don't know, here's 10 songs, we're probably going to do seven, so I'm going to chuck this one, chuck this one. <laughs> and so he'll be like, no, we'll record that one. So, you know, that was one of the ones I don't even know would have seen the light of day if it wasn't for for him, I guess. Yeah, just a solid soundboard for you then to like, yeah, like see what's it's hard worth. sometimes, you yeah. know, like where you're going to throw out your own shit because you just don't see clearly anymore. You're like, or I mean, I would say this probably goes for any industry. Like when you're doing, you're evaluating your own work. Like, I mean, maybe it's just me, but like often I would think anybody in any industry is like, this is shit. I'm yeah. fucking done with this, you know? Yeah. When you loved it two days ago, you know? And you were like, wow, this is so cool. And then you're like, fuck this garbage, you know? So it's, it's good for that. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I've finished plenty of podcasts, Gene, and been like, yeah. I think I'm really bad at doing this. <laughs> exactly. Like, so it's the same. Like, I don't think... I think everyone can identify with that a little bit and it happens with every record like I'm making a new one right now I'm already like I don't know fuck these five songs (laughs) (laughs) it's just part of the process that you did have the opportunity to do some producing on your own before you started working with Ian and making some of these bigger records just so that you had a little bit more understanding on your own and maybe like even just having the right vocabulary for being able to ask for certain things in the studio? Yeah, definitely. Like I had been before uh, meeting Ian and working with Ian, I did it all kind of always by myself. I, actually, I did a couple CDs before with different people, but I did a lot of recording by myself, lo-fi shit here where I'm sitting and just recorded all stuff like that, records, whatever work I was doing. And yeah, it, I wouldn't change that, but it's still like, I still do things like a, like a squirrel. Like the things I have are so shit. Like the, the the way I record in this system I'm sitting in front of right now is like so lo-fi it's pathetic like people oh what do you use I'm like dude like a literal <laughs> plug like a plug I stick it like it's embarrassing so it's, it's very way way lower fi than what anybody's doing let alone Ian Blurton but it did yeah I mean if also just the process of like recording and, and layering and learning like and failing what works, what doesn't, you know, all those things for years and years before working with Ian. Yeah, I think it's been a huge asset, right? And like you say, even if even if it's just the vocabulary and being able to like fully get what you want to say across, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
And, you know, even if you feel like the recordings and the, you know, the gear that you're using is shit, the, if, as long as the songs are good, that That's is always going to come through, right? <laughs> That's what I hope. I mean, like, right? Like, I think that I think that the songs are more important than the gear. You know, depending, I guess, so I I feel like I can hear bands yelling at me about that, but I don't know. Depends on the band and depends on the genre and all that shit. But I don't know. A song is what gets in people's head, not the fucking guitar tone. Oh, no, I shouldn't say that. Guitar tone does get in people's head. (laughs) That was a bad example, but you know. I, don't I hear know. what you're saying. Song, song yeah. wins the day, I think. There's pl- there's plenty of polished records that sound really great that don't have the songs. Exactly. Oh my god, yeah, right. And then vice versa, like some terribly recorded record or punk record from like late seventies, early eighties that is like everything when it comes to maybe not full songwriting, but vibe and like presence and all that shit that every kid wants when they put on a record, right? Like. So, yeah, I mean, I think that stuff's more important ultimately, but I understand there's a, a lot of circumstances out there. But Yeah. Was there any different approach in, in making the, the Tracer record that you hadn't really explored in the past or anything that changed? No, I don't, not really. I'm trying to think. Like, a lot of these records were made, like, during lockdowns and stuff, too. So, like... I don't know about where you're at, but Canada's pretty locked down. Like for a good two and a half years, there was like no movement stuff. So we were going in the studio and there was not much movement out there otherwise, right? And uh, I think Tracer, I'm trying to think back when we actually recorded it. So there's like lockdowns were occurring, but I think it was chilling a little bit. You know, it wasn't quite as intense, but it was still like something we were wrestling with kind of... um, but no, no, I think I just, uh, yeah, I don't think there was anything standout-ish, you know, in terms of the difference with that record approach. Do you feel like there's, uh, like when you think back on the on the songs and the lyrics, do you feel like there's a lot of through lines there and like common themes? Yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like that uh, having put out the records back to back, like I kind of see that subconsciously. I do that actually on every record. I'll notice there's like three words I kind of say strung through the whole record, you know, I'm like, whether it's like follow, run, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm always kind of like saying, saying that or feelings. I said feelings a lot on the last record <laughs> I said to my publisher. I was like, you know, we're releasing two singles that say feeling in the chorus. She's like, I didn't notice that. I'm like, well, anyway, I think, I think there was a lot for, for Tracer too. I was, fucking had a lot of panic attacks because it was like the top of the year when I was writing it during COVID and I was just having a rough go. So a lot of those songs, you know, kind of were born of that, you know, even though the record came out not in that moment, the songs were conceived, you know, while my head was exploding or at least a chunk of them were. So that was a little different, you know. That little idea song is very cool i was uh i was wondering if you felt like it was important to kind of have a more stripped down tune on the record and like why like what spoke to you about that particular one kind of being the laid back one and the one that doesn't have you know it's got a little like production flair here and there with like some of the stuff going on in the background but for the most part it's a pretty stripped down tune 
Yeah, it's pretty stripped down. I don't do it consciously, but I guess, yeah, past few records seems to have a slow tune on it, like each record. I don't do it on purpose. I think after I've done these, like, I'll write and I'll write and I'll write, I think after I've written all the stuff, like the faster stuff or the heavier stuff or like the better drug style stuff, I think that's when I start writing slower. <laughs> but it's not conscious. It's more like because I've done everything or something and it's almost... I don't know, I just tend to write quieter after I've written 15, I guess. And yeah, the little idea, I, don't, I just came up with that. I, it came really quickly to me, and I tried to write better lyrics, and I just couldn't. Every time I re tried to inject new lyrics, better lyrics, or what I thought would be better lyrics, just fuck the vibe, wreck the melody. So it's kind of like, it really forced me to just use it as it wanted to be, like it was sort of more in charge than I was in charge of it, you know? But yeah, that was another one I was going to bail on and kick off the record. <laughs> he was like, don't. And my drummer husband was like, don't. Oh, like, okay, fine. So yeah, almost almost died too, that one. <laughs> I think it's slow songs too. Like, I don't know. I guess I have a bit of an aversion to slow songs. Not that I dislike that or dislike any of the slow songs I've released. I like them. But I guess as a writer, I'm kind of like, I don't even want to say this because I feel like I'm insulting my own shit, but it's like kind of boring to write, right? Like it's kind of like, I can only do it. Like I'm like a minute and a half. I'm like, God, this is long enough. Like <laughs> it's kind of, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm writing too much lately or something, but I get, I just kind of get bored. Even if I was to write some slow song that was like epic, I would still have that feeling. Even if it was like, I don't know, pick a giant ballad hit. I still feel like I could be writing it. Like nothing compares to you by Prince Sinead O'Connor. I could be writing that and be like, oh my God, it's so fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like, uh, I got to get out of that headspace because slow songs are great, right? And they're like lovely and people just, they eviscerate people emotionally sometimes. So it's like, I got to get out of that. But so I don't know, I don't do it consciously, but yeah, there's always like a slow one on there but it's I have to say always maybe a little bit of an uphill battle <laughs> listening habits like do you enjoy listening to slow bummer jams or are you usually the person like listening to stuff that's pretty upbeat slow bummer jams that's exactly that's exactly why i like when i'm writing it i'm like that's that's exactly perfect words anyway i don't listen to any music right now and i haven't in like five like 10 or 15 years super embarrassing in a way like i just literally listen to nothing like i can't like if i hear it like even in a grocery store i'm just like oh my god like let's get out of here like it's just too invades my brain like i just tear apart i can't and i hope it passes of like to enjoy music again one day you know like a normal human but at this point and for a long time now i just i just don't listen to anything anything i mean i haven't always been like that you know 
listen to loads of bands and but now i just hyper analyze it i can listen to something like way out of my genre like if it was classical music or even like a super crazy heavy record because like i'm not writing that stuff so it's my brain doesn't attack it <laughs> the way <laughs> it would with like pop or indie or alternative or whatever right so yeah i don't listen to anything and i think if i did i'd probably not listen to slow songs unless i wanted to cry or something is that true of like uh like live music as well it's not like something you pursue to go well to be honest with the li- i mean i kind of after all the covid stuff i feel like kind of yearning for that a little just like that energy again out there just even not being the person on stage just being out but covid i mean i was never a big person for that stuff either but covid i'd never even like left my fucking house for two and a half years it felt like so it's definitely not i don't i don't go to a lot of concerts but you know it's not not to say i wouldn't like to you know maybe maybe kick into that a little bit more but yeah i think it's actually kind of cool that you don't listen to too much music actively just because that means that you you're not like chasing a sound that everybody mm-hmm. else is like currently making like so it seems like maybe you're you know maybe you're putting out something even a little more authentic in some ways just because you don't have all of that input going on yeah like i would i think it go both ways too sometimes it's been so long and stuff like i write these records i'll write the demos forever and then sometimes i'm like should i be like should i listen to stuff am i like is it I don't know, like, am I hindering my writing because I'm not allowing any other other than what I listened to in the past? That's all that's in my head, really. Like, I don't or what I hear accidentally, like I said, at the grocery store or something like that. But um, I mean, the grocery store is not exactly playing like edgy hits or anything, (laughs) (laughs) to be honest. So I don't know. I I agree with you on one hand where it, it allows like like I'm coming from a spot that's not yeah i'm not picking something going i want to sound like this taylor swift song or, or i'm aiming for this system of a down tune or, or you know i like the way they did this pre-chorus let's try and incorporate that none of that's in the process but then yeah in the same breath I, i'm not getting the good stuff that people get from being inspired by bands and going holy shit, did you hear that new record this year you know absolutely yeah, and then maybe opening some doors in your head creatively right so i feel like I don't know, maybe 50-50 on that. Like, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. All I know is, like, I have to I have to just, like, I'm, I don't know. Like, I guess we're all a little fragile. I'm definitely that way. So if something's, like, irking me and putting me off, I just have to stop it. Like, yeah. you know, I'm like, I'm not going to... I don't need to listen to music. I don't need to listen to records if it just pisses me off or I'm like, damn, <laughs> this song is way better than all my songs. Fuck this band. <laughs> or or like, you know, also like if something's blowing up, like I'm just succeeding beyond succeeding and it's not good. Like that's hard too. You're like, I just I just don't want any of this noise right now. Like I, I don't, and sadly it stems from the fact that I can't just sit and chill and listen to music. I just analyze it. So yeah. hopefully that leaves like it's no disrespect and it's not a, a race. I understand that or a competition. But at the end of the day, if if I put music on and I'm just sitting there like like a like it feels like I'm in an exam. It's not the point of music, right? Like, yeah, it's total opposite. 
like wrecking well, my mood not fixing it you know? <laughs> for sure and hopefully like maybe that's like the benefits of working with like a producer like ian yeah. who maybe is like absorbing maybe he, some maybe he listens input to music. I don't you know, know. <laughs> maybe, maybe that guy listens to music and uh that's helpful to making records <laughs> hey, it's like part of the criteria do you listen to music because i don't somebody around here has to. <laughs> that's amazing somebody's got to listen to some shit <laughs> yeah i don't i hope it changes i i do are you pretty disciplined about like writing is it something that you try to do every day and kind of succeed in that or do you like is that not important um i wouldn't say like i do it like i gotta do it every day but i i would say i'm disciplined in it like oh in a way like each record i had been putting out i knew i was going to put out another one so the only way you can kind of like put out another one in pretty quick succession so the only reason i only way i could do that is if i like hustle writing like while I'm releasing the last record. So I, I, in that way, I'm disciplined because I, I knew if I wanted to have a hope and hell of putting out a record every year, I kind of had to release the record while writing the other, right? So yeah. I guess disciplined in that way, but not to the point where I'm like, I go up at 9 a.m. and this is my day. Like For sure. if I'm sucking, I just stop. Like, I'm like, I'm not gonna sit here and suck. <laughs> so I'll put, uh, days aside like loads of times i won't write or I'll, I'll kind of maybe do it in some batches right so like a chunk of songs come out and then you don't have to do it for a bit but i don't put too much in the way of like making songwriting schedules for myself and like i was saying earlier like i'm compelled to do it anyway because i fucking feel half psycho if i'm not doing it so that is pretty compelling my sanity <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes me come and sit down and do it so and you're you're not listening to any music, so you might as well write some, right? <laughs> exactly. <It's> like exactly. <laughs> it's true. I don't have any any outlet. So yeah. That's awesome. Well, I uh I appreciate you jumping on the mics with me and, and talking about your, your tunes. I'm glad that I, I stumbled upon your music. It, um I've really enjoyed like going through the discography and, and finding finding the music for sure and uh, awesome. just kind of getting to understand where it comes from a little bit and yeah just like the 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 tracer record is is so great thank you well i'm glad you found me in the sea of stuff out there too because it's pretty difficult with with the sheer quantity of stuff out there so i'm, I'm i appreciate you having me and i'm very happy you found me Absolutely. I want to play the episode out with that last track on the album, which is the the title track, Tracer. Do you remember anything about this particular song coming together? Yeah, it was the the last one I wrote, I think. And I was kind of done. And I was just on the couch and the melody of that chorus just came. came. And I was like, well... I guess I have to finish this one <laughs> and it was slower. So I probably had some moments somewhere where I was like, we have to cut this, but I'm sure but it, it, it stood on the record and then it got the, it got the album title too. So, Hey, <laughs> well, we end every episode of the podcast, Gene, with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is okay. it, it's, it's a program. It Program? means, yep. It means absolutely nothing. It's just the way that my grandfather says <laughs> the news oh, program. He always, he always says program for some reason, and it's oh. it's just a it's just a goofy way 
to end the show. So if we could get the gene, it's a program. We can properly end this thing. I will. It's a program. She nailed it, everybody. <laughs> yes, That's I did. Gene. Thank you. Thank you. To your grandpa. Thank you for uh, jumping on with me, chatting about your tunes. We're going to play it out with the... Uh, with that tracer track off the record and I will put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh, keep up with you if they dig what they heard on this episode. And that is the jelly jams and we will catch you on the flip side, Portland, Toronto, wherever you are listening from. Just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their longtime support of this thing. Make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can also find the link in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Big thanks to DistroKid and the other sponsors of the show. Stay up, stay tuned.